In today's episode, we open our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 15, verses 36 through 1615. Paul and Barnabas are preparing to set out on their second missionary journey. But a sharp disagreement overtaking John Mark leads them to splitting up and going separate ways. This section also introduces a young Timothy whose mixed Jewish and Gentile heritage symbolizes the inclusive nature of the faith. Paul teams up with Silas. Their journey takes him through Asia Minor, where they receive a divine call to Macedonia. And there they encounter Lydia, the first European convert who opens her home to them. All that today. Good morning, blessed Pentecost. Today is Tuesday, August 15th, and you're listening to Thy Strong Word, where each weekday morning we explore the holy scriptures to which God bespeaks us righteous and nourishes our faith. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo of St. John Lutheran Church in Laverne, Minnesota. Thy Strong Word is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Learn more about their translating and publishing work on their website at lhfmissions.org. Well, as we dive back into the Bible today, I'm joined by the Reverend John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Good morning, Pastor Shank. Welcome back to the show. Well, good morning. It's great to be back. Um, so uh, it, it's kind of a big day for us. Today is uh, first day of school. So we had opening chapel and, and a lot of fun. So um, thank you for having me. It's always an honor to be on. Well, I'm glad that you're taking some time out of the you know opening day of school to be with us. Uh, this is a pretty neat text, uh, but I'm just delighted that things are continuing to go well for you and your congregation. The Lord's blessing us here in Minnesota, too. Um, anything else new going on besides school starting? I mean, do you, what kind of school do you got? Tell the folks a little bit about it. Sure, sure. We have a K-8 uh, school, and then we have a preschool and a daycare, and then in town— um, we have a high school, uh, Lutheran High School, that's an association school. So we work with a lot of, a lot of other uh, Lutheran churches to support that school. Um, we also have SIUE, uh, a university in town. We do campus ministry there. So um, lots of kids, um, yeah. and uh, it's a it's a great blessing to be able to bring uh, them all the Word of God and and His gospel of His love and forgiveness for them as we uh, as we live together. That is indeed a blessing. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you open our time together in prayer, and we'll get right into the text for today. Yeah, let's do that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mighty God, our Heavenly Father, be with us today as we explore your Holy Word. It is your Word that draws us uh, and reveals to us what is the truth. Your Son is the truth. It also draws us to hear Hear the truth of his reconciling work. Help us, O Lord, uh, to be reconciled to one another where divisions arise, either in doctrine or in life. Be with us as we walk that road, trusting in your mercy, showing grace and forgiving, and walking the way, carrying the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, let's look at our text today. So we we are just sort of catching up, finishing up with the Acts chapter 15, just a few verses here. Uh, but before we get into that, maybe catch folks up if they missed yesterday's episode. Um, I yeah. began, of course, with the, with the Council of Jerusalem. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh so you you had a big show yesterday um with a, a lot of historical um and connection not just only a history lesson but uh connections to all the many different places books of the Bible that deal with circumcision. Um uh, so going back to the Old Testament where our Lord gave the the covenant the promise of circumcision and even before that where he gave the promise of the seed of the woman and connecting that promise, the, the first gospel message that by the seed of the woman would the serpent's head be crushed. Would, would he, our God would overcome that great promise of the gospel, which we know is fulfilled in Christ, but that promise would go forward. And from generation to generation from calling of Abraham and of his descendants all the way to Jesus and the sign for which they would always be reminded of this great promise is circumcision, uh, that there would be one uh, born of the woman who would um, who would come uh, to, to save us, to rescue us, and who would be God with us, our Emmanuel. Um, there is obviously great confusion here. And, and I, I think sometimes we maybe downplay it and, and kind of shake our heads to think like they shouldn't be confused. This should be so easy. It's not easy, especially when you look to the Old Testament and the, the covenant of circumcision. And there in, uh, what is it, chapter 17 of um, Genesis, where it talks about it being an everlasting covenant. Well, that's, that seems like it's not going to end. So what are we doing here with the question of the Gentiles? They obviously, you know, the question comes up and it seems like, well, they obviously need to be circumcised and, and uh, to live as, as we do, as Jews do under the, under the law. Um, but uh, they're, they're missing something in that gift of circumcision and the promise, the sign of circumcision that was pointing us to a fulfillment and and the the greater gift of Christ Christ by the shedding of his blood we are all made clean and um and and the gift that he gives in the new covenant uh, of baptism which is um which is as as I'm sure you pointed out in uh Colossians is a circumcision not just of uh of one part of us uh, but of our very hearts um, where we have the fulfillment, so the circumcision is is incorporating into that community of believers called Israel, sons of Israel, here by the circumcision of baptism, the circumcision made not with hands, but by Christ himself. We are made children of God. Um, and this is no distinction between Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free. So this is a, a wonderful gift uh, of baptism and a gift that we are his uh, forevermore. So yeah, in that sense, the gift of circumcision is forever. The, but the circumcision we need is the circumcision of Christ, his holy baptism, where we are united to him for all time and eternity. Um, so we have at the beginning of this chapter, we have a, um, uh, a potential for uh a doctrinal division and a dividing of the church by doctrine, by teaching. And, um, and, and thanks be to God, the church worked as the church was called to work. Well, let, how do we, how do we answer the divides? Will we go back to scripture 
Um, we go gather the church together. And they did that, and they answered based on uh, the working of the Holy Spirit and His Word. And and once that doctrinal divide was answered, and they had the answer of the mission of the church going forward, um, the the devil is not done trying to divide uh, the church of Christ and divide us. So we always have to keep in mind these things, right? That we can have divides um, based on doctrine, right? Does God's word really say X, Y, and Z, right? And we have that from the garden, but we also have relationship divides, which um, shouldn't be downplayed. They can be just as devastating to the church uh, when when things uh, are done and said and heard and and acted upon. Uh, divisions come up where we have differences of opinion, as we have in our text, they can lead to great divides. And we need his Holy Spirit to guide us into that, where we can have differences of opinion and yet remain brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that's what's really striking about today's particular text, is we see here where you have, I guess sometimes people think, well, you know, the days of the early church, everybody got along. They were all, <laughs> they were all inspired by the mission. They were all unified by the, the task that laid out before them. They had common enemies and those who would resist them. And, but no, the truth is just like today, they had differences of opinions, different perspectives. And we see that in our text for today, uh, especially as we finish up Acts 15. Uh, let's just go ahead and do that. Verse 36 through 41. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought it was best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed having been commanded by, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia rather, strengthening the churches. All right, that Cilicia always kind of sneaks up on me here. Uh, but anyway, so we see here Paul and Barnabas, they disagree. In fact, they had a sharp disagreement. Um, maybe that's a fancy way of saying that they, they just absolutely... Uh, um, just could not come to a resolution. They just just fought over this, um, and it was over John Mark. So I guess take us through the particulars, and and especially how can we? Again, we know Acts isn't prescriptive, right? But how can we learn from this interaction, or what should we learn? Sure. Yeah, and we sh uh, yeah I, yeah. Hopefully we do. <laughs> hopefully we do uh, learn. Um, so. Um, Kind of taking a step back a little bit. We had the the first missionary journey that we went through, uh, chapters thirteen through fourteen. And as as uh, Paul, Barnabas, and uh, John, Mark, uh, that Mark um, was was with them when they made it to um, Pamphylia, that region. Um, uh, that's when John Mark left. Um, and return to Jerusalem. So if you were to look at a, at a map at the missionary journey, they, they left um, from Cyprus and were, were going up to um, Perga. And uh, you can see that that is um, a directly opposite uh, direction away from Jerusalem, 
maybe there's something there. Maybe there's not. Maybe that's just a coincidence. But it definitely rem- reminded me of other um, other prophets <laughs> who, instead of going uh, at first where they were called to go, decided to go in another another direction. And so um, John Mark uh, leaves and he goes back. He, there's not, uh, no, uh, did see anything of uh, any kind of speculation of why. I uh, don't, don't know that, but uh, it seems like Mark or uh, Paul is a, he's an all in or all out kind of guy. Um, and maybe, maybe that's the case or maybe I'm reading into it. I don't know. Um, but uh Definitely does not seem pleased with the fact that uh, John Mark left them, and and there's there's Jesus' own words about you know those who are worthy, right? You put your hand to the plow and you keep plowing. Time to follow me. Well, uh, what about the dead? We'll leave the dead to bury their own dead. What about this? What about that? And. Jesus has strong words about when it's time to be called to follow, it's time to follow. Um, and maybe Paul is taking those words um, as seriously as uh, and the fullness extent is where they can be taking. And maybe Barnabas desires uh, to show some some grace. Barnabas and John, uh, John Mark are related. So now we've got um, a reality of uh, being a relative too, right? How can you go back uh, to Christmas and Easter and Thanksgiving if I say you can't come with us? Um, I'm sure, I'm sure with Paul there was forgiveness. And yet, even with forgiveness, there's ongoing consequences of our actions. Um, We see that in our lives. There's things that can be done, and yet there's ongoing consequences for those actions. You know, if you get yourself into trouble with the law, right, Um, you know, there is forgiveness, but you're going to have to go to court. You're going to have to deal with the ticket. You still got to pay for that, right? Um, So I don't know. Um, It definitely seems to be uh, a divide, and yet, and yet we rejoice in the fact that they're there is scriptural evidence of their reconciliation. So, well, even yeah. despite the reconciliation, though, I want to I want to sure. propose a question. Yeah. Uh, do Christians have to like everybody else who happens to be a Christian? <laughs> is it okay to not like somebody? Uh, you have to love them. Oh, but, but that I didn't use the word love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you're right. We have to love one another. But which but is I, yes, I think there's a sincere reality this side of Christ's return, still struggling with our sins, that there are just people you're and maybe I'm being a little pointed by saying not liking, but there are going to be people with whom you just don't get along, although you very well may understand that they are fellow brothers and or sisters in Christ. But you just people have different personalities, and I don't think we can ignore that. And I no. think it would be. I think, and I'd like to hear your point of view, but I think it'd be burning people's consciences to say, well, you just have to get along with and love every, not love, but like everybody. And then you, you should be able to go out and, and just want to hang out with anybody who happens to be a Christian. I just don't think that's true. No, it's, that's not true. That isn't true. Um, we'd be willing to serve everyone and give to everyone and tend to the needs of everyone without partiality. Um, but that is much different than what you're saying. What you're saying is, you know, 
Do you have common interests? We're not all, not all of us have common interests, right? You picked and your, your wife picked you and you picked your wife for, for a reason. You have common interests, common goals, common thoughts, common aspirations, uh, common, uh, maybe humor or, or maybe not, but, um, we're not perfectly online in everything with our spouses, but there's enough that we have something in common, right? You, there are probably, as you're going through life, a number of people where you're like, well, I don't have much in common with this person. Well, then that date ended or that friendship ended without it needing to be a horrible thing. Um, but um, yeah, we, I, I kind of try to tell my kids, you don't, you don't have to be best friends with everyone at school in the sense that you have to, um, you know, hang out with them 24 hours a day outside of school, but everyone at school, you're going to be friendly with, right? And you're going to befriend everyone in the sense of being caring and, and showing um, true brotherly love. And we should befriend everyone. Now, do we have to hang out with everyone? And But no, they don't want to, not everyone wants to hang out with me. I mean, I know that really sure. clearly. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, same and here. And that's okay. But, you that's know, as okay. he and Barnabas, as Paul and Barnabas disagree on whether they're going to keep John Mark with them, uh, I, I think, and again, this is not instructing us to go around disagreeing with each other, but I, there's a bit of a comfort here for me that shows, look, even the apostles, even the, the first disciples and the evangelists and the first deacons. And look, these people didn't always get along either. They had different ideas. And, and while the division is certainly, I guess, a result of the sin that we struggle with, it's not the end of the world. Like when you see it, you can fix it. And as you pointed forward already to their reconciliation, you can work toward reconciling with people. Or if you are able to just you know, maybe you're not going to hang out with them so that no further sin can be done. I, I guess what I'm just trying to say is I, I don't want to paint this picture for the world that you come into a Christian church and just everybody's personalities mesh and everybody's uh, focused on the same goals and everybody uh, shares the same points of view because that's just unrealistic. And, and I don't think that God wants us to be a monolith in those senses because, in fact, by by means of this disagreement, the Holy Spirit then has these, this group of people cover twice as much ground. Yeah, and we can always hold to his word of promise that that he will um, use the things in our life um, to uh, to glorify his name, and, and, and in the end, will draw us closer to himself um, for, for, for the good of our salvation. So we can, you know, we can see even in this, um, God is being gracious and merciful. Um, yeah, we don't look to be uh, pig-headed and hard-nosed that everything has to be our way and look at Paul uh, didn't want this. I, you you know, you, uh, Barnabas wanted that. So we'll just hold to our guns. And if we have to separate and divide this church, we will. And then we'll have two churches. See how good it is. It's like, no, well, <laughs> well that's, we yeah, that's probably not right either. <laughs> really, really far with that, right? We we need to um, have some ground where, you, like you said, that there is ground in the church to disagree, right? And those those disagreements of simple things um, 
are, are not what divide the body of Christ. We can have many different opinions and, and maybe it's true. Maybe you need to go in this direction and I need to go in this one, even within one church. You serve here and I'll serve here because you've got an interest in that. And, and maybe I don't have an interest in, uh, you know, making meals for the new families. Maybe you have an interest right. in doing something else. It's okay. Um, thanks be to God. There's lots of things that need to be done in one church. Um, you know, but uh, it does it does seem a, bi a bit troubling to me that they were so divided, right? Yeah. I, I don't, I think there was a, a, I think God used it, but I definitely believe that it needed, and I thank God that it was reconciled. Right. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't, and I'm not saying that God, you know, uh, commends divisiveness at all. But I like the <laughs> illustration you used because let's say you have a congregation, especially one that's associated with a school. Well, not everybody in your congregation is going to think that the school is the best use of time, money, and resources. Uh, they may not. What? They just may not. I'm telling you, right? <laughs> what? Uh, no. Anybody who's had a school knows that. Uh, <laughs> but then they might say, well, we should be focusing on X, Y, and Z, right? Overseas missions or food banks or the whatever. Elderly. Yeah. Right. You focus well, too much on is, little kids. What about the elderly? Yep. Yeah. The good news is to take a phrase from our evangelical friends. Well, if that's what the Lord has laid on your heart, then good news. That's what you go do. <laughs> and we'll do this and then we'll work together. So I think disagreements are natural. In fact, I think they can even be productive as you, you know, because if you have no conflict, it's probably because there's no forward movement or change. Um, you, you, so you want to manage the conflict in, in healthy ways. And so I think you can disagree in healthy ways. I agree with you that I infer from this text that they did not handle it in a way that should have just been left that way. Um, but again, little comfort to us. Uh, who aren't the super apostles to see? Yeah, even even they fell into the sin of this uh, sharp disagreement. We'll leave it. The Hebrew, yeah. <coughs> pardon me. The Hebrew associated word uh, is anger. The Greek word uh, has something to do with provocation, like they're provoking one another. So yeah, it definitely has a sense that they were kind of twisting the knife in this argument, trying to get their way. I really like what you said about that. That we shouldn't be. Um overly concerned that we have disagreements or think that disagreements are bad. I mean, we help our, you know, we're going through premarital counseling. We, we tell our couples, you will disagree. And, and we need to be encouraged by our disagreements, not fights. We need to help them not to fight about it, but that you are your own um, mind. You've got your own thoughts and opinions. This person has thoughts and opinions. You love them. So you probably want to learn why they have these thoughts and opinions and you have these other ones and maybe you can actually learn something. So if we can continue, if the church can continue to talk, if we can continue to listen to each other, then we can learn and grow together in, in God's grace. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, let's get into the next section, even though I don't think we'll be able to cover too much before we go to break, but I'm going to read chapter 16 verses one through five. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystrum and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for the observance 
uh, for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So Paul heads to Derby and Lystra and encounters Timothy. Now we know Timothy now, but uh, Timothy's first being introduced right here. Isn't that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, we uh, definitely in, in our church bodies hear a lot about uh, Timothy, if you've ever attended a uh, ordination or um, go to, to seminary, you'll see the, the names um, Timothy and Titus. When you read the Bible, uh, you'll be introduced to Timothy and Titus um, and, uh, and maybe also from uh, working with things like L.W. Mel, uh, Lutherans, Women in Mission, um, hear about Timothy's mother and grandmother, uh, Eunice and, and Lois. Uh, so yes, uh, Timothy is a, a, a pretty big figure in the scriptures. Now, what stands out to me in this section, though, is uh, Timothy and his circumcision. <laughs> didn't the church just have a big <laughs> argument about this? Um, and didn't they have a big, you know, the very first or at least one of the first ecumenical councils to decide that Greeks did not need to be circumcised. Rather, they should just follow some of these essential rules. And, and here we have Paul fighting for the Gentiles' a right to be saved by faith and not have to keep perfectly the laws of Moses. Here goes, Timothy, I want you to come with me. You're spoken of well. Oh, what? You haven't been circumcised? Yeah, let's take care of that. It's like, what? Wait a minute, what? So I guess that's my question, Pastor. What? <laughs> yeah. How would you there's... explain that? Out of the mouth of Timothy himself. Um, so, yeah, Timothy's mother was was Jewish, and the same with his his grandmother. So this is th there is a little bit of a complication of Timothy. Once we get to to Titus, um, there is a whole different answer of what we do there concerning circumcision. Paul, um, now that the answer of compulsion. Are we compelled? Do people, uh, must they be circumcised um, according to the old covenant and a need to keep the old covenant laws of Moses uh, for their salvation? Is that part of their salvation? And the scriptures are clear that we are not saved by our keeping of the law, but by Christ's keeping of the law and by his um, gift of righteousness. We are clothed in his righteousness. So that has already been answered. Um, and you think, well, then there you go. So he doesn't need to be. And that's true. He doesn't need to be in the sense for his salvation. His salvation has been answered for, but what, and who has a need? And, and the need that now is being brought forward is the need of the neighbor. And the need of the gospel to spread the gospel, to, to open the door for someone to hear the gospel without something being an, an, a real hindrance. And, and when things are a hindrance, not being compelled to do it, no one is telling him, but Paul, knowing where they're going, knowing the, the struggle that they will be faced with, and knowing Timothy's history with his mother and grandmother, uh, has uh, Timothy, or he, circumcises Timothy, 
And, but I see it much differently than um, being told by someone else. When someone else tells him that this person who he is with needs to be circumcised, take a look at Galatians 2. And you see there with Titus, they don't have him circumcised because then the gospel is at stake. So we always have to look, what, where is the gospel at stake here? If this is a matter of Christian freedom where my participation in something that I'm free to do is going to be a hindrance to the gospel. I'm out with friends that maybe struggle with alcohol or a, maybe even a Christian friend from another denomination who thinks that Christians should not or could not drink at all. Should I re refrain from drinking? And, and for the most part, I, I feel like that's probably a smart and a Christian good thing to do. If, if they say to me, well, no good Christian can ever drink, well, then I'm going to have a conversation with them because the gospel is also at stake there. Um, so here, out of Christian freedom, we can restrain and refrain from doing something. I, um, when we have international students come to our church from the from the university, we might refrain from having certain meats um, or meat at all uh, because we want to feed them, and they they don't eat meat or certain kinds of meats. Um, am I free to eat those meats? Absolutely, um, but I'm also called to love my neighbor. And, and I think out of love for the neighbor and the need of the desire to spread the gospel, that's why Paul acts in this way here. Well, something for us to think about as we take a break. Folks, do not go anywhere. When we come back, Pastor Shank and I will pick back up where we left off in Acts chapter 16. We'll see you on the other side. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan316. Welcome back to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Boo. With me today is the Reverend John Shank. He's the pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Friends, it's always a blessing to be in God's Word, and I'm so thankful that I have each of you with me this morning as we study the book of Acts. I love hearing from guests, and I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Remember, you can send me an email at pastorboo at gmail.com, or you can find me on Facebook you can also drop a note just to say hi if you want. When you do, please let me know where you're listening from and how you connect to the show. Maybe you listen over the air or as a podcast. Maybe you go online to kfuo.org and listen live or on demand, or perhaps you're using the KFUO radio app. I always like to hear from you, and I try my best to respond pretty quickly. Now, back to the Bible. Pastor, before the break, 
you spoke about how Christians sometimes need to willingly submit to some certain custom or law for the sake of the other, especially for the sake of the weaker brother, as the scriptures say. This is pretty antithetical, I think, to the modern American experience, especially among maybe conservative Americans, to always be asserting your rights no matter what. Is there a divide between this attitude and the way Christ wants us to live? Yeah, yes. Yes, that's a big that's a big topic right now. It's it's really huge discussion especially as we deal with many different issues. Um it is troubling um troubling at, for the church to um instead of being being seen speaking the words of Jesus and his scriptures um too often we hear the church speaking of rights. I have uh, what about my rights? And I you know, I slip into it too. Man, do I slip into that too? Like we have this right or whatever. Um, we have to be careful. We have to be careful because um, we have a calling by Christ to preach. We have a law that he is the Lord and there is no other. If we talk about those things, we, we are speaking scripture. But if I talk about my rights, it seems to be more about power and control than it is about the authority of God's word. Um, now, I'm sure there's a good way to understand it. I'm sure that there is a, a more um, positive way. Um, I'd be open to hearing that. But I am I am concerned when we talk about um, my rights instead of uh, what does my neighbor need and what is God's word. Uh, what is Jesus? What is Jesus calling for me to do? Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, the individual should, should really fade away and right. the neighbor should be in the forefront and Jesus should be, um, clearly in view of how he served us. And that is our call and our love and care for our neighbor. Um, yeah, so there are times and it's really tricky, right? It's not so easy. I'm not saying this because, oh man, this is so easy to navigate. It's not easy, <laughs> not easy at all. Um, it's like uh, dividing long gospel when we're dealing with the individual in the moment, right? Dealing with the individual in, in the moment. Like if we're sitting in a classroom, we're like, what is this law or is this gospel? Okay, we can break down uh, sentences and, and things and scripture verses and understand what God is calling you to do um, and what is demanding on you. Uh, that is the law. And what has been done by Christ, this is the gospel. Um, yeah, we can all understand that. But when when does my neighbor need to hear the law and when does my neighbor need to hear the gospel uh, that is not so easy when does my neighbor need me to to say well um actually brother god's word says this or when does my my neighbor need me to to walk alongside even giving up some of my so-called rights to do so um some of my freedom in christ to do so um in order to continue to to guide, direct, teach, and and to proclaim to them the gospels, not easy, but we are called to walk the not easy road, right? No, absolutely. I think it takes uh, some wisdom and discernment to be able to both um, exercise one's rights, because Saint Paul certainly did, even his political rights, uh, but also know when it's time to say, "I'm going to." Uh, give in for the sake of the brother and and also not allow yourself to be completely run over. So as you're as you said, it's com it's completely um, 
really up to the Christian to be in the Word, to be in prayer, to be uh, connecting themselves to the wisdom that the Holy Spirit offers, because otherwise, this is a very difficult, you know, road to navigate. Yeah, and I would just say uh, one word of encouragement is don't be afraid, right? Um, we're all going to fall down. We're all going to sin. Um, but don't let that fear of misspeaking, of sinning against your neighbor, of of messing up and and uh, skin in your knees stop you from going out and and trying to care for those around you. Because that's also, you know, you know you're not going to do it if you never try to do it. So it is better to try and to then say, brother, I, I messed this up. Sister, I messed this up than it is to then just stay in your home and by yourself and exclude yourself from those who really do need you. So um, don't be afraid. Uh, we're all going to fall down, um, but the Lord lifts us with his grace and his mercy and forgiveness. Well, let's move on to the next section. Um, we're continuing along with Paul on his second missionary journey. And now they are headed into further areas that are mostly Gentile, non-Jewish. Let's see, uh, starting with verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they came to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. All right, that's the end of verse 10. So, Phrygia, Galatia, you're going to, don't go into Asia, the Holy Spirit says. Not that the Holy Spirit has anything against Asia, but it's right. There's a timing to this. Um, right. They go to Mysia, or however you pronounce that. Um, but then this is a term that you don't hear very often. The Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Take us through this, brother. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's times in which um, no matter uh, what our thoughts are, um, it, it, we do as he wills. <laughs> um, we do as he wills. And at this time, it wasn't the will. So when we talk about Asia. I think that's really confusing, right? Because when we say Asia, I think, you know, 90% of people are thinking of uh, further east. Um, this is part of modern day Turkey yeah. um, off coast of the coastland uh, where we hear things like Ephesus. That's the big one, right? Um, that's part of, of Asia. Think of it as uh, so, uh, the Roman province of Asia. Yeah. So right, yeah. Uh, sometimes we're talking about cities. Sometimes we're talking about providences. And so we talk about Asia, Galatia, um, Macedonia. We're talking about not cities, but as you said, providences. So uh, they're being stopped there, but it's not because he doesn't want his word to go out. Um, he does. Um, and there was a time where he couldn't go to Macedonia, but now he's being called into Macedonia. So God has his time. God has his plan. Uh, we, we submit ourselves to the will, right? Um, and that's why we, you know, even as, as Jesus prayed, thy will be done uh, to his heavenly father, we, in our prayers, especially in the Lord's prayer, we say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's done perfectly in heaven. Uh, and we pray that it be done among us 
also. Um, and so we pray in that will because God knows what is best and he is, uh, his best is for our salvation and for the care and the proclamation of the gospel for, for all, for all. So even when we are disappointed that something doesn't happen as we had thought, we need to remind ourselves, uh, thy will be done, thy will be done. And we submit uh, and and place the people that, because maybe we had a desire to go somewhere and participate in a mission, or um, maybe then the, there was cancellation. You know, we've had different missionaries uh, get canceled that we were supporting, and they couldn't fly to an area because there was an uprising and and rebels or uh, have a this horrible weather. And it's like, well, you know, we're disappointed. Uh, we want to continue to support and care for these people. We'll continue to pray for them who are suffering. Um, but we also have to remember, thy will be done. Thy will be done. And uh, his will is always good and gracious for his children. Verse 9 says that a, a vision appears to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there saying, come to Macedonia and help us. I know a lot of pastors wish that divine calls still happen that way, right? <laughs> Come to Southwest Minnesota to help us. <laughs> Come to Michigan to help us. Come to, you know, wherever. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, um, this wasn't a particular Macedonian man, just a, a vision from the Holy Spirit, I would assume. he, The Holy Spirit really pushing him westward, uh, even though uh, Macedonia is another Roman province north of Greece, uh, but he's headed up there. Um, the Holy Spirit has something in mind. And what I think is, I, I don't know, Good or bad, however you look at it, but we see here that we are giving no reasons. We aren't told how the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to go. We aren't told what the reason are reason is that the Holy Spirit doesn't want them to go to to the Roman Asia. We're not told any of that. Uh, just as in today, we often get that we read the scriptures. We're told to do X, Y, and Z, and maybe even deep down we go, I don't. I don't know why we can't do that, but you know what? We're not told. All we're told is what we should do, and we follow the Word of God. And, of course, Paul does that. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately, I, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I imagine waking up in a sweat, just having received the vision, and he's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, Paul's getting a chance over and over and over again to listen to the call of Jesus as the first disciples did and follow him immediately. And here's another example of that. Yeah, amen to that. Um, and I think um, for us, as you said, wouldn't it be great, um, you know, tongue in cheek, if um, we would see visions and things? Uh, when we're going through Acts and you see different signs and wonders, um, keep an eye on if this is a new city, a new area, a new providence, a new people. Often when the Word of God, um, is going out to a new people, um, there are incorporated into that signs and wonders that attest, just like with Cornelius, just like with, you know, what we heard earlier with Peter, the signs and wonders, or in um, the day of Pentecost, the signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit. Now, um, I don't look for those. Why? Because I know by the um, the uh, the testament of scripture that he desires all people to hear this. I, right. I don't need the Holy Spirit to tell me again or manifest again that he wants people in Macedonia or in Southern Illinois or wherever, or a certain group of people to hear it. 
um, we like you said, we just had a council where like, hey, can these Gentiles, um, we all, you know, um, and and the answer was yes, of course. Look at the scripture right. record. Um, but when it when he is coming into a new area, there there are often um, a testimony of signs and wonders, and uh, now we get to look at the 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 church, the scriptures. Um, the martyrs of the faith and be greatly strengthened in their testimony. And, and, um, and the greatest sign of all, of course, is the death and resurrection of Jesus. What more signs do I need? Um, so yeah, uh, here we go. Well, even if we should seek a sign from the Holy spirit, he's just going to point us to what Jesus has already said, right? As all people. <laughs> yes. So if we go, Lord, I have a call here in Rhode Island, but I also have a call in California. Which one do you want me to go to? Well, they, the Holy Spirit tells you yes, right? <laughs> you, you are you have a call to both of those places. Good luck. No, he, he gives us a sanctified common sense to make decisions in that way. So let's say you want to become a missionary and you're like, well, should I go to Haiti? Should I go to Africa? Should I go to Italy? Yes. Now, of course, that's not very helpful but the Holy Spirit equips you through the study of the word and prayerful reflection to see which one you would be better at. But that's a little different here. This isn't the church age. This is the early church, the New Testament. They're just getting things started out. People haven't heard of Jesus. And um, this is exactly what uh, the Holy Spirit's doing. He's stepping in in a time before the word has been disseminated fully to make sure that the disciples are doing what they should be doing. As you said, we shouldn't expect that now because he's already made it very clear in the scriptures we have. You know, uh, uh, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them, as Jesus said. <laughs> yes. Yes. Amen to that. Well, then they keep on going down to Troas, and uh, let's hear what happens next, starting with verse 11. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace. Oh, my goodness, these words. Forgive me, folks. And the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Good gracious. My apologies for butchering some of these words. I normally read ahead, and today I just I kind of rushed to the microphone, I'm going to be honest. I didn't have a chance to read ahead. But Theatira is what I meant to say, um, and uh, Samothrace is what I meant to say. All right, so thanks for that. Go ahead, brother. Take us through this text that I completely butchered. So, yeah, we've, we've made our way over. So... Um, so Troas still in kind of the northern part of that Asia, and then we we made that voyage over to Samothrace and in uh, Neapolis uh, and Philippi. So Philippi is uh, definitely one that the you know when you're reading through the the different cities and regions and provinces, every once in a while there's one that 
perks up everybody in the congregation's ears. They're like, I heard of that one, right? Because yeah, have, that one I know of. Uh, Philippians, maybe not so much, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Philippians, I get that. Yeah, because we then we have the 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 letter uh, to the Philippians and his rejoicing in their partnership in the gospel and their their love and support for for Paul. Um, so yeah, so as we kind of make our way through, you start hearing this, and then um, as we make it to um, uh, Thyatira, um, we have Lydia, and again, I think it's always good for our people to see uh, the prominent role of women in Scripture. And here in verse fourteen, um, one who heard us uh, was a woman named Lydia, and she was a, a worshiper of God, and she also. Uh, was a seller of, of purple goods, <laughs> which is uh, quite, you know, an expensive. She had uh, expensive uh, attire. Uh, so she was uh, quite the, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to make it too much into modern age. Like she's this like uh, designer or whatever, but she is a manufacturer. She, she has these goods to be sold and it appears that she will continue to support support the gospel with her gifts um, because she asks, you know, if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So she had a house uh, that um, and the people of her household, all those of her household were, were baptized. Uh, we rejoice in that um, great message of the scripture. You know, her whole household was baptized. Um, no distinction of age, no distinction of persons or sexes or anything like that. Um, everyone was baptized. And um, and she calls them in and she supports them with her own property and maybe will continue to support them too. And we have that example with our Lord Jesus too, um, that there were those uh, faithful women um, in his company that supported him in in his ministry financially, so that they could eat and um, have lodging and and things like that. Uh, so we rejoice with with Lydia, and Lydia becomes a, a great example for LWML uh, groups and LWML groups where you're where purple. Um, so it's a great uh, reminder that we have faithful women of our congregation who give of their time, their talents, their treasures. Uh, for the work of the gospel. And they are so hospitable towards us, welcoming us into their homes, uh, feeding us as uh, pastors, especially when we were young and seminary and had nothing. Um, they were there to, to feed us and care for us. Uh, the women of the church are a gift. And, and here we have a great example for all of us to follow in Lydia. Now, is Lydia the reason LW Mill is purple? Because if so, then I was today years old when I found that out. I believe but, so. Uh, but I think that's a great connection. Yeah. I, interestingly enough, too, I, I think a lot of Christians, especially those who have uh, been blessed with a certain amount of worldly wealth, I, I've encountered these folks, and, and sometimes they feel guilty for for having you know, wealth and even connections, so to say. But think about somebody like Lydia, who clearly had a higher economic status, you know, she had some independence, she had money and a, and a access to a luxury market, she had interactions with the upper echelons of society. Look at all that the Lord could do through this. So while we certainly don't want to demonize those who are rich or poor or anywhere in between, 
Um, being wealthy isn't necessarily like an automatic sin either. Um, and so, you know, here she is and she has these connections that maybe some of the other people wouldn't have. So what we really see here is yet another, I guess, sign of the diversity of the gospel. It really is for all people, rich, poor, Greek, Jew, man, woman. Um, I don't know how the Bible could be any more clear about this. And yet early Christians, even Christians today, still kind of struggle with this, you know, who is allowed to be a Christian? Well, everybody is called to, to you know, come to faith. But I, I, that's what I see here, too, in, in yeah. terms of her connections. We tend to, we tend to uh, in the church and throughout church history and uh, human history with, with our faith toward God, kind of go back and forth into separate bad ideas, right? That to be really, really close to God, you have to be really, really poor. Or God shows his favor to you that he loves you more than anyone else, especially those poor people, because you're really, really rich, right? Neither one is good. But we take into account all of Scripture, and Romans 12, verse 8 tells us the one who exhorts in his exhortation, there's different gifts of God, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There is something for you to do. God has called you into something. I, I know uh, there's many times where I uh, meet with people and they're, and, and they're homebound or, or bedridden, and they're like, Pastor, why am I still here? I'm like, you can pray, can't you? Oh, yeah, I pray all the time. Right. Well, then pray, pray, um, because that is what you are called to do for those um, in your church family, in your family. Um, so there's something for all of us. And if uh, the, the church has needs, right, we, we have lights and I, I like to eat. Uh, my children like clothes. I live because God has called people to support the ministry of the church. They are called to give out of their proportion and some of their proportion is more than others, and I rejoice in that. I'm not jealous. We we are called not to be jealous, uh, but understand that everybody has different burdens, too. We don't know the burden of our neighbor. We know our own burden. So don't try to look at our neighbor, your neighbor, and think, well, they're less burdened. No. Um, let's just look at the, what the Lord has called us, uh, not be covetous, and understand God has called us all into different roles, responsibilities, and uh, and callings. Now, this is sort of way out in left field, especially after such a, a great message that you just gave. Um, I, I always like to bring out how this purple is made, just because sometimes people don't understand. Um, this particular purple that she would have sold, the dye came from crushing a specific type of snail. Thousands and thousands of these snails are used for this purple. Uh, so this is laborious work. It's very expensive work, um, but... You know, we have this woman making a living off of it, doing pretty well for herself, and the Lord is blessing her and blessing the apostles through her. That's what we like to say. And folks, you heard it here. Uh, you can think of the LWML in that purple. You can connect it here to Lydia and how she's able to serve her neighbor just as our great LWML does. Um, brother, we're at the end of the program. Uh, nothing else to talk about? No, we have lots to talk about, but there's nothing <laughs> we can do. We're up against a hard break. They're going to cut off my microphone really soon. So uh, thank you so much. The Reverend John Shank, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. Brother, I can't wait to have you back on. Peace of the Lord be with you all. 
Folks, uh, when we come back, the bustling streets of Philippi have all kinds of things going on, but Paul and Silas are there, and they encounter a slave girl with a mystifying ability, and it leads them into a dramatic confrontation with her masters. It actually results in the city rising up against them. They're thrown in prison, but it sets the stage for an awe-inspiring midnight act of faith and a miraculous twist of fate. If that doesn't entice you to join us tomorrow, I don't know what will. So until then, may God's peace and blessings be with you all as we pray, Father, keep us in thy strong word. 